This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M, and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Bob Keipel. Good to see you, Bob. Good to be here. We're really excited today to be joined by Mary Poppin, the Chief Customer Officer at Glint at LinkedIn. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. Well, let's just dive into it. Um, most, if not all of our listeners are familiar with LinkedIn, but not necessarily Glint at LinkedIn. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you do at Glint and how it came to be a part of LinkedIn? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Glenn's mission is to help employees be happier, more successful at work. Um, we formed about six years ago, um, and really the founders uh, had the idea because they recognized that from a business dashboard and a business outcome perspective, they had everything they needed at their fingertips as executives from a financial perspective, sales perspective. But when it came to what's going on with our employees, you know, they just didn't have a view into it. Um, and so they created Glint for that purpose. And it, unlike the traditional kind of employee engagement surveys that are annual, 100 questions, you get the results, you know, two to three months after people fill out the surveys, Glint really changed all of that and reimagined the way it could be done with real-time AI. So Glint actually offers managers and leaders the real-time visibility into what their employees are saying. So the, the survey portion is just the very basic piece of what we do. And the insights that are generated and the reporting that's available to managers is really the game changer. And it allows them to basically go in and see um, insights that would be really hard to find normally, meaning if you have employees in a certain role in a certain country, it might be very hard to find and differentiate the types of insights that are happening there with your employees versus, you know, kind of the broad aggregate results. And Glint actually will hone in on specific population data and raise alerts. So leaders can see sort of real-time things that, again, they may never have found. Wow, that is so cool. So if a company is using your product, um, are the employees generally widely aware of it? And do they then behave differently toward it or towards the business because they know it's sort of on and watching? Well, so um, yes, employees are, are made aware and have the option to participate in the survey process. One of the things that Glint did as well is instead of a hundred you know, question survey, our people science team um, through the research found one question per engagement driver 
that actually covers more than 90% of the variance. So instead of asking two or three or four or five questions about satisfaction with your manager, you really only need one question to capture the majority of the variance. So we've been able to streamline the questions and also having it you know, in a cloud platform means that we can make the UI and the experience for the survey taker really easy. One question at a time, very focused and a very short survey to get at the broad range of drivers that you know, are impacting engagement. So they are aware. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they opt in by essentially, you know, taking the survey. Mm -hmm. It is uh, confidential, so individual results are not shared but aggregated. Awesome. So, Mary, um, we we hear a lot about EX or the employee experience and the the CX world, and sometimes um, employee experience and employee engagement are are used interchangeably. Uh, you, you and I know they're, they're different things. So we've, we've talked a little bit about engagement. Can you, can you tell us, um, can you tell us how Glint defines employee engagement and why our, our listeners, CX professionals should be concerned about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Tom. So employee um, engagement is a piece of overall employee experience. Right, but it's a key part of whether someone is happy at work or not. And if they're happy at work, they're going to be more productive, they're gonna be more innovative, they're going to provide better customer service because they are engaged and enjoying what they do. Employees who are disengaged tend to withdraw, not collaborate within the organization, really not you know, step up their game with customers. You start to see a lot more attrition in the organization, but also customer attrition. So um, it makes sense. I mean, you know, if you're not happy at work and you're say I'm a grumpy employee, it's going to be hard for me to sort of muster up that great customer service. Um, but what have you done at Glint that helps us to better understand the relationship, helps your customers better under, understand that relationship? And sometimes people need hard metrics. Yeah, for sure. So um, Bob and Tom, I know you guys can relate to this as, you know, with a consulting hat on, um, I've really created a, a four box, if you will, with the intersection of what I call people success, which is the intersection of employee uh, engagement and customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about each on an axis in the very top right quadrant, you have what I call the all-in zone. And this is where, and, and you can feel this, by the way, in, a, in an organization. So you walk in, the employees are super happy to be there. They're energized, they're engaged. They have what they need to do their job. And the customers interacting with them are also very happy, very engaged, energetic, referenceable, right? So there's this spiral, if you will, of contagious enthusiasm in this zone. Um, and I know we were chatting uh, a bit ago about In-N-Out Burger, and I put them in this category because it is sort of that all-in employees and all-in customers that drives huge success for that company. But if you look at you know the next quadrant, the high uh, high customer satisfaction but low employee engagement, you actually have a missed opportunity, right? Because the employees are not 
going above and beyond and helping that customer really move over to the all-in zone. And what happens is that customer experience then has the opportunity to, to fall into the lower zone, right? Into dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. In the bottom right quadrant, high employee satisfaction, but low customer sat means you've got employees that are doing everything they can, going above and beyond, but they just have customers who aren't satisfied. Either they didn't make the decision to purchase your product or service, or the employees aren't armed with the right you know, resources or tools to help the customer be successful. But what happens is an energy drain to your employees. And before long, right, they start to become disengaged uh, and withdraw. And then the bottom left quadrant is really where no one ever wants to be or can be for very long, which is the risk zone. You have low employee engagement, low customer sat, um, and it's really the risk zone. So unless you have to exist as a company, you cannot you know, sustain very long if you're in that zone. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you, I have talking to a new uh, potential user, um, do they relate with this? Do they see where they are? Are they accurate about their own situation or do they have to be kind of prodded into, hey, actually you're in that quadrant, buddy? So, yeah, I think customers for the most part are pretty aware of where they are. When you put information in front of them um, and, and sort of do a reality check, they, they tend to be pretty accurate with where they are. The key is, depending on which zone you're in today, how do we move toward that all-in zone? And it's really two things. It's putting a customer listening program, you know, and focus program in place, as well as an employee listening program. And then it's all the actions and other programs that you take on both sides, customer and employee, that really help drive that all-in success. Um, so depending on where you fall, if, if you have lower employee engagement, there's a lot of programs like a cross-functional um, culture club that you could put in place as an example. Um, and if it's low customer satisfaction, you know, do you have a robust customer listening program? And are you holding all the functions accountable for customer experience and customer success, right? Because that's a key thing too, is um, it's not just the post-sale team who's responsible for customer success. It's everybody. Just like everyone's in sales, everyone's in customer success. So Mary, you, you mentioned um, employee satisfaction and happiness. What, what else does employee engagement look like? I mean, what, what makes for happy employees? You know, what, why, why, why are some employees happy to work for a certain organization and others aren't? What, what, what breeds that engagement? So um, there's lots of different levers, uh, as okay. you can imagine. I think the, the right fit, so having an employee in the right role within an organization has the right skills, has what they need to be successful, has a manager who's supportive um, and sponsoring their development. Um, they see the path forward and growth in the organization. All of those things are, are helpful in driving engagement. Also being aware of and bought into the mission of the company mm -hmm. and is the company walking the talk, right? The integrity mm -hmm. of the company. Um, so the employee can feel like 
they're contributing to the mission and that the company is also right very supportive of it. Um, so those are you know a couple of really mm-hmm. key things to drive engagement. The other thing we've noticed is um, whether you're enabling or providing enough training and resources to your employees to be able to be successful. So one example of a a correlation that can be drawn is employee engagement to safety, say Mm -hmm. in mines, just as Mm -hmm. not naming companies, but um, when employees are not feeling like empowered to take action or that they have the right tools and equipment to do their job, not only does employee engagement take a hit, but safety um, issues go up. And so we've seen a really big correlation and being able to predict from employee engagement scores, like where there's issues in minds and be able to take action proactively and then see those safety issues go down. So you've, you talked about um, boiling down, you know, the key questions to determine uh, the engagement drivers a little bit earlier. Um, and you just mentioned happy employees come from the right fit, supportive management. They see a growth path for themselves and they bought into the company's mission. Any of those things like the most critical first thing that if you don't have that, you can't get there elsewise? There's a, there's a really big relationship between manager support and employee engagement. Um, one of the highest impact drivers uh, that we've seen. And the other is um, well-being. So especially that has come to light pretty significantly the past year with COVID. Um, but when well-being or, or manager support are low, you do tend to see a lot higher attrition, um, you know, not only less engagement, but higher attrition and uh, lowered customer SAT scores, things like that. So a lot, a lot of what you've talked about, we can imagine in a typical workplace where there's a lot of engagement with your coworkers, with your, your manager. Um, how has the, the, how the results of COVID and people having to work more remotely um, affected employee engagement? And what does that mean for the future of employee engagement? Yeah, it's really interesting. What what I've seen um, through our results and working with our customers is that it has really raised the bar on manager expectations. So for those managers who have sort of shifted and spent more time getting to know their employees individually and what they need Mm -hmm. during this time, have seen retained high engagement scores. For managers Mm -hmm. that are sort of continuing to do a blanket approach or engaging and interacting less just because they are remote, we're seeing a hit to employee engagement you know, more significantly than ever before. So it really is a call to action for managers to lean in, get more personal, understand individually what is driving each employee and then address that differently. One of the key things that a manager can take action on is employee well-being. And the well-being is impacted by what's going on at home, you know, their personal situation and the work situation. And a lot of people have struggled with work-life balance. So for the manager to be able to step in and offer options, whether it's a flexible schedule, whether, you know, they can um, have a changed work schedule for a period of time, whatever it might be, people need different things. And so it's really up to the manager to help identify that and support each employee. 
And we've just seen that become a lot more important you know, than ever before. How does, a, how does an awkward person, sorry, Tom, how does an awkward manager who, who sort of knows they have to do this uh, touchy-feely stuff with uh, employees, but they're maybe not good at it mm. or they haven't really, they, they're old school and they haven't done it before. What's a way to do that so that you can start to sort of genuinely show care? You know, you can't fake it. Uh, how do you get somebody who needs that coaching to get better at it? So um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, skills-based learning and, uh, you know, providing those managers mm-hmm. with learning content that is consumable and applicable and help them apply it. Um, so their manager to help lean in and help them do that is a great way. Um, I think, you know, partially it's them being comfortable with asking the questions and then reflecting on the data and having maybe a buddy or a mentor to bounce off ideas with in terms of the action they can take. Um, so it, it, it really comes down, I think, to understanding the results and then what, not only what they're comfortable with, but what action do they need to take and then getting support around those things to be successful. Yeah. I was going to say this, you know, that, that this physical um, distancing and and everything it's it's really gonna force managers to change their 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 leadership skills, isn't it? Um, I mean, it, it you know before maybe it was simply stopping by somebody's cubicle and, and you know saying hi and asking if everything was okay and and whatever more informal communication. And now in our Zoom world, um, this is something that that leaders really have to schedule for right and plan and schedule for and be very purposeful in terms of what they're trying to accomplish yeah it's definitely a lot more mindfulness um, in how you're managing your team and what's happening and you know the glint um platform is one great way to stay up on that but it's one piece of the view right because it doesn't allow you to get individual information as a manager, it's really important for you to follow up and share with your team. Like these are the results from our team. And I need to understand from each of you, like how can I help support better, right? And not obviously asking them for their individual disclosures, but that they're open to hearing how each individual can be supported differently. Um, And sometimes it's just the want, the desire to be helpful that actually makes the employees feel better, more valued, right? And want to continue to give feedback. That's a great question. That's a great point. Um, just the, the gesture itself. Yeah. What are some practical strategies that managers can employ to create higher levels of employee engagement? I kind of been nipping around that, but like if you were to give somebody sort of a starter checklist or an approach to take to start improving employee engagement, what would that be? So whether, whether you have a survey platform or not, just as a manager, my very first advice would be ask your employees how they're doing, ask them what they need. If you don't ask, you won't know, right? So whatever tools or resources you have available to you, ask your employees what's happening. And then I think there's um, opportunities to take action on team building and connecting your team but the key is not to rely on the same thing over and over. Like 
don't schedule, you know, a sporting event meetup every single time you do a team building or don't do an artsy, craftsy event every time. <laughs> Try to tap into a variety of things that would help, you know, people want to engage who have different interests. Um, and the other thing is just in really having a wellness top of mind for people, especially right now, thinking of things like a surprise day off, right? If that's manageable or a group yoga session or, you know, during your next one-on-one, each of you go walking while you're doing your one-on-one, um, which can, by the way, be done remotely or together. Um, so it's just those kinds of things, trying to tap into, again, what preferences would be for people, but offering up the space to take, you know, take the time to be well as an individual. What's the factor? What's the, what do you think is going to happen now that companies are, you know, starting to feel and and the regulations and restrictions are starting to loosen up about COVID. Um, Some companies are keeping people remote are going to be hybrid, sometimes remote. Um, What do you, what do you think that, how does that bode for uh, employee engagement and satisfaction going forward when there's more remoteness in the mix? I think what I'm seeing is so many companies are asking employees what, you know, what they prefer going forward. They've seen it can be successful remotely. And so now employees will have a bit more choice in whether they feel, you know, more productive in the office or more productive at home. And they have that flexibility to to sort of get the job done in the way that fits best for them. So I think we're going to see more of that hybrid working going forward. And I think that's ultimately going to translate into high employee engagement because it gives employees that flexibility to create space for work-life balance, to you know hone in on their preferences if it's being around people all the time or only two days a week. And so I think we're I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, because what's what's interesting and in, um and in- and the survey data that I'm seeing on it is there, there is a pretty broad preference for either maintaining a hybrid model or a completely online model. Um, and it's, I would assume to your point, a lot of that is that flexibility. Although, you know, anecdotally, the, 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 in my, some of my personal relationships, um, what I'm hearing is a problem with working at home is they can never turn it off. You know, actually having that physical distance between, Um, where you work and where you live and you know that that computer now is just an arm ring you know is an arm length away uh so maybe it's literally shutting shutting off that computer at a certain time every day and and closing the door on that home office and not going in until the next morning that 100 percent, tom and i think part of it too is um people set their own boundaries and expectations with others. And once you sort of open the door to be available 24 seven, it's hard to back off, but, but my advice would be take, take charge of your schedule. And if you need to make changes, reset expectations, it's okay. It's okay to do that, especially for your wellness, but just sort of level set with people when you're available carve out time during the day in your schedule, like block an hour off to just have lunch with your family or go for a walk or whatever it might be, but create that space and just let people know. Well, with that, I, th- I think I'm going to take the rest of the afternoon off. 
<laughs> I might it's, as well. It's it's a little warm where I am. I think a cold beer right now. I think it's uh it's two thirty where I am, but uh, I'm sure it's five thirty somewhere. Bob, I'm sorry, you had a question. Oh, I was just going to say, back in the day, you know, back pre-COVID, w- there was always you know a certain population of the workforce that did work remotely. And there was always sort of this general talk that there's a certain type of person that can thrive better or it's better for, and it wasn't necessarily for everybody. And so I was thinking about the new employee that hires at a place, they're not going to get the same kind of onboarding experience. And so I'm just wondering what that, what what are your thoughts about that, Mary, going forward? What would you prescribe for somebody for new employees? Yeah, you know, the capability we have today that we didn't have even 10 years ago, um, you know, with being able to see each other like we are now, there's so, and then those virtual reality opportunities too, that sort of put you in a room with people, even when you're not, it's taking advantage, I think, of some of those technology capabilities that, Mm -hmm. that allow people to get closer without, you know, physically having to be close. Um, so I think organizations are starting to take, you know, more of a look at those opportunities, but it's really making sure the employee has some connections from the very beginning, right? Has a good onboarding structure, um, has all the resources at their fingertips, um, and that someone's overseeing and checking in on how they're doing, right? Because the worst thing we've all seen is like somebody gets hired and then a week later, somebody checks in with them uh, and they have no idea what they're doing, right? So that structured onboarding and then taking advantage of technology, I think is is gonna help with that. Mm-hmm. Mentoring, that sort of thing, other than your boss, yeah, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks so much, Mary. This is this has really been a, a great discussion, and I'm, and I think it's just the, the beginning. There's a lot more that we could talk about. There is for sure. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to chat with you both. You too, and thanks, listeners, for tuning in again. Whether it was purposeful or by mistake, we're glad you joined us, <laughs> and hope you enjoyed our discussion. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.